This is Michelle Dawes-Burt of Real Chicks Rock. And this is RCR Presents Real Discussions, the podcast. Enjoy. Good afternoon and welcome to Real Chicks Rock Presents Real Discussions. I'm your host for today, Michelle Dawes-Burt. And as always, I'm... Super excited because today I get an opportunity to have a conversation with one of my favorite people here in the Atlanta area. But before we get to that, I just want to welcome all the new listeners and all the followers. We thank you for joining us this afternoon. Let me just give you a little background about what Real Chicks Rock is all about. It's all about the empowerment of women, and we do it through various different ways and vehicles. Um, we do it through motivational speaking, coaching. Uh, we also do it through community service and we do it through this platform which is one of my favorites here um the media the media part the arts part if you will which leads into media and it gives me an opportunity to have conversations and discussions that i think are important to us as women and the people that love us and support us and today is no different because i like talking to people that are doing legendary things in, in my opinion i i'm a little biased but i i i i think so i think so this gentleman has been here in the Atlanta area forever, and it's been doing some great, through, great things through, through um, radio. And so today, I have the opportunity of having a conversation with Jamal Ahmed. Jamal, welcome. How you doing, Michelle? I'm good, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to thank you for pronouncing my name with that. Uh, yeah, you, know, you did it right. I did it right. Yeah. Oh man. Because that proves I've been listening to you for a very long time, <laughs> and that you're a professional. <laughs> I try to be <laughs> saying someone's name is important. So it yes, is. it's a beautiful it is. name. Yes. It's a beautiful Thank name. You. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you so much for Welcome. having me. I'm really honored. You oh. know, this is, um, this is always a beautiful thing to, to talk with people like you yeah. who really get it. Yeah. Like yeah. you really get it. Yeah. So I appreciate you. Well, thank you. Thank you. I think, uh, you know, our common denominator has always been about music and just being in Atlanta. And when I see you, we always talk and we break bread and it's just phenomenal. And the last time I saw you, you were hosting uh Friday night at the High Museum. Right, 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 yes. And we were talking in between the break and the light bulb went off for me and I said, I need to have you on the show so we can have uninterrupted time yes. to discuss and talk about things. I want people to get an opportunity to know a little bit about you because I think you do a great job in in sharing information about artists and music and you've talked to so many people during your career so now the shoes on the other foot where we're going to ask you some questions and people can get a little bit more intimate with you Jamal so first of all where are you from uh, you know, we were just talking about this uh-huh. uh, because of this building. Yes. But I'm I'm born and raised here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, a rare bird. You yes. Know, you are somebody rare. from Atlanta in Atlanta. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, this is this is my home. I have uh, really, really uh, gotten a, a fuller understanding mm-hmm. of Atlanta as I've gotten older. Yeah. What the city means, not only to the people in it, but to the world. Yeah. Um, and Atlanta is a very important place, you know, and I mean, where you are yeah. uh, and, and where this building is. Uh, it's just all about history yeah. and and being around our people. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, this is this is my home. Man, my yeah, home. you are rare because a lot of people like myself. I'm not from Atlanta. You from where again? I'm from New York. I'm from the Bronx. Okay, the Bronx. I'm the Bronx. Okay. So I'm all about I'm all about <laughs> hip hop. So when you did oh, that little yes. tribute, oh yeah, oh. a couple of weeks back, I was plugged in. I was like, Did you call Cool Hercule? Yeah. Because I know you got him in your phone. <laughs> I want to. Okay. That's, a, that's a person I want to talk to. But um, this year commemorates thirty. 
years of me being here in Atlanta. Really? Yeah, I've been here a long time, and it doesn't seem like it. So I was here when the Braves played at Turner Field, before there was an East-West Connector, before there was a 400. So I've seen some evolution for Atlanta. I remember when Savananda was on Euclid, right? And now it crossed up. I'm telling you, I've seen some things. And so these past two years have really been mind-blowing for me because – Places where we used to just park our cars are now high-rise apartments. Mm-hmm. or So there's just a swelling that continues to go on here in Atlanta. It's yeah. really big. Yeah, you, you're probably more peach than you are apple. No, now. don't say that. I, I mean... I'm not accepting that. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a, saying. That's what 30 years? Come on. This came in 89, <laughs> like right after college, and I've Look been here that. ever since. Yeah, a long time. And that was really like when Atlanta was about to become Atlanta. Yes. You came right before the yes, explosion. Yes, yes. The whole freak Nick thing. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> I mm-hmm. participated in Freak Nick. I know, don't tell my son. But it was fun. Oh, he knows. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> there was just some really great pockets of Atlanta history that was great. Right. So tell me, Jamal, for you being here your entire life, what was it like for you as a kid growing up here in, in Atlanta? What was the, the music that you listened to during your childhood? You know, uh, it's interesting that you asked that because I was just talking to someone the other day about coming up in Atlanta. And the thing about Atlanta that people have to remember is that this is a place that really showcases and highlights like black progressive energy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And it's always been that even way before we were even born. Right. You know, Um, and so the thing about Atlanta is Atlanta has always been this quiet force, Mm -hmm. but it took like other people coming to Atlanta, literally, uh, to to really highlight that. I mean, my first I, I, I was just telling someone, though, my first camp counselor. Uh, when I was about six years old, uh, was a gentleman by the name of Mojo. Mm. And Mojo was featured in that ATL documentary that Ludacris mm. put together yeah. on VH1 right. about Atlanta hip-hop. And Mojo was literally the first rapper to come mm-hmm. out of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and that really is telling that here's this man who was the first rapper to come out of Atlanta who's working with children. Right. So that's the beginning of Atlanta hip-hop right. is this man that's in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he was like my camp counselor. And he encouraged me. Yeah. Like he saw that I love music mm-hmm. and, and he saw that I like Michael Jackson. Cause back then we were listening to, you know, uh, Sugar Hill Gang. Right. That was popular. And we were going to Jelly Beans and yeah. skating the Sugar yeah. Hill Gang. And, yeah. uh, but it was a lot of like funk and boogie and mm-hmm. soul. You mm-hmm. know, it was a lot of like Evelyn Champagne King mm-hmm. and Kashif mm-hmm. and, uh, Shalimar yeah. and, and all of that. You good know what I'm saying? Stuff. Good yeah, the good stuff. stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. I was just telling someone, uh, just uh, last night how much I love Kashif. Oh. Uh, you kind of underrated it sometimes because you don't hear his music enough, but it was great. Now you're talking like 70s, late 70s, early 80s right, when you're right. talking Kashif and Evelyn Champagne King. I remember when Shane came out, we just couldn't get enough of that. <laughs> the 12-inch, you know, you just, oh, kept, yeah. oh, just yeah. kept playing it mm-hmm. over and over because mm-hmm. it was like, who would have thought of making the record the way that it was? It was just so awesome for us as kids. We just couldn't get enough of it. I think it might have been 11 or 12 or something when it came out. So yeah. it was just a really, a really dope time. So it seems like you were just, you were just always fortunate because before we knew them as icons today, you were like, you had access to these people and not really knowing where we were going to end up with them eventually, right? Because you just, it was just a normal everyday. This is your, your coach, your counselor, and, you know, and now he's involved in hip hop and just 
doing all these great things you didn't even know. No, I mean, I think about my neighborhood, and I want to shout out my my neighborhood in College Park that I grew up in, Pine Tree Subdivision, wow. off, of, off of Old Nat. And, <laughs> um, and, and, and also my sisters and brother, you know, it was five of us in the home. Mm-hmm. And we were very blessed to... Uh, to have this incredible mother, you know, mm-hmm. and my mother sadly passed away last yeah. year. Um, thank you. But, you know, the thing about my mom uh, was my mother was like this educator, but she was also deep into like music. Yes. Like she loved music. And so she would run these federal programs. But on the side, she had like a boutique record label, mm. you know. So when I was 10 years old, I was 1984, I was 10 years old, my mom launched her label, Paradigm Records. Wow. Uh, so at that time, um, when she's doing this, my mother didn't know anything about the music industry, right. but she knew that she wanted to make an impression. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she uh, went and, and, and rented the, the top studios and, and, and used the top musicians. So I mean people from Cameo, from yeah. Brick, uh, from The System, uh, from the Daz Band, wow. uh, all of them, Isaac Hayes, mm. uh, all work with my mom, you wow. know, and her label and her artists, yeah. you know, and then she went on to work with a lot of, of, of big execs. And, and one of my fondest memories was me answering the phone one time and I had to be like 13 and it was James Brown calling my mother, mm. uh, just asking her questions <laughs> about like royalties and points and, wow. you know, things like that. Man. So I, I came up in that, but I was also, my mother encouraged me to play music okay. because I started playing music when I was about eight, nine years okay. old. And, what instrument? Uh, so I started on trumpet, nice. then I moved to baritone, then I moved to tuba, and I was classically trained. So I played in jazz and concert, yeah. uh, classical, and marching band. I was in, I was in the HBCU band at Morehouse. Wow. Uh, I uh, marched at Morehouse and, and in high school. Yeah. So I know music, but God told me to sit that down for a second and get into this DJ thing. Really? And the DJ thing is what really opened me up on music, like becoming a DJ. And I thank God so much for, 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 for he or she uh-huh. uh, putting me on this path, uh-huh. of, of that path first of understanding music and then essentially like knowing like the history because yeah. DJs are like archivists. Come you know what I'm now. saying? Come on. Come DJs on. are like the, the librarians for yeah. the world. Yeah. Um, and we know the background of this music. And when you know the stories behind the music, you understand the music yeah, a little yeah, more. Yeah, you do. As opposed to a musician who kind of just knows the chords. That's true. And the feelings. But when you can put those two together. That's true. That's when it becomes magic. And you look at someone like a Quest Love. Yeah. You know, Quest Love is like the perfect example yeah, of yeah, that he melding. Is. He is. You know, yeah. of being that, that musician, but also being that DJ minded yeah. individual. Yeah, you guys are historians too, and just really right. you you guys are very powerful. And really, just you know, not only as a musician, but the DJ side too. I think anybody who gets music has a lot of power within it. I I think there should be something for people like me, because I am an addict. Like, I really, <laughs> I have it, and I'm real, and I've accepted it as I'm older. I'm like, it's okay, you really have a bad thing for music. But it makes a lot of sense because you're able to connect the dots. Whereas if you don't have a love or an intuitiveness for the music, you don't know what you're doing. You just, maybe you're just a selector, maybe just playing whatever you play. But I think. When you understand where it comes from and, and the time and the reasoning behind it and what, what drove that musician or that artist to write that lyric or make that chord or play that music and then you provide it to us on the dance right. floor or just right. maybe just during your shows, it just, it, it is very powerful in that regard. Yeah. And I think, I think just to add on and to compliment you, Michelle, because people like you are very essential 
to music right now because we literally represent a generation, the gener- Generation X. Mm-hmm. And Generation X right now is that middle generation yeah. that's connecting yeah. the young people to the elders. Yeah. We are in the, sometimes we don't even understand how deep mm. our position is. Right. And so when you're a Gen Xer and, and you have all this on you, uh, you have to understand that that's a level of responsibility. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it has to be a level of love and compassion and yeah. passion yeah. for what you're involved in and for your people. So the fact that you love music and we love music mm-hmm. at, at this point in our lives yeah. is very important because it's showing people that at the end of the day, that's what's going to carry you through. Yeah. You know, I was just telling someone how when you go to Europe or whatever, one thing you notice is you always see like these old guys um, and, and, and ladies as well, but mm-hmm. older folk who are still DJing. You'll yeah. see guys who are DJing in their 60s mm-hmm. with, with, you know, silver hair. I mean, in the club, like getting it crunk. Mm-hmm. And that's just that just goes to show what type of 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 kind of culture it is over mm-hmm. there. You mm-hmm. know, that they still hold on to it over here. Sometimes you, if, if we get to a certain age, we let that stuff go. Yeah, we we always we're the we're the I used to generation. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Or the I used to coach it. Yeah. Well, I used to do that. I used yeah. to do that. Yeah. But it's like, what about now? I know. When did that die? I don't know. You know? And, and, and one thing I always tell young people is, and I think it has a lot to do with imagination. Okay. Because imagination is one of the greatest, it's the, it's the greatest fuel for ideas, mm-hmm. for culture, for mm-hmm. music. Um, and and uh, I tell young people to always hold on to your imagination and don't let anyone take your imagination away from you. Mm-hmm. No matter, I mean, take your imagination to the grave. Yeah, you know, and hold on to it because it's going to give you great ideas. You look at Albert Einstein and he created all those incredible theories mm-hmm. out of his imagination. Yeah. He was daydreaming, yeah, thinking of things. And now we base science off of his daydreams. Mm-hmm. Isn't that deep? You it know? is deep. You know, so we we have to tell our children like hold on mm-hmm. to your imagination. Yeah, you know, just like you're doing yeah. we're holding on to our imagination i am literally yeah i am i am i i held on to it last night shouts out to the brethren last night um ramon russell and kyle said it was playing last night and, oh man and i and i peeked in and it was like what i needed it was euphoric and i'm and i think about that because um I am uh, over uh, over a half a century old. I'll be 52 in June. Don't look it. And thank you. And um, I have several pair of Chuck Taylor sneakers, and I put them on, and I go out, and I'm just like, and I do ask that question, Jamal. I'm like, when do I stop? Like, when do I give up this love, this this desire to be so connected to us to a scene, or really the music? Not so much the people there. That's the bonus because the energy is great. But it's about the connection with the music. Like, when does it? When does it get old? And I'm like, I I don't know, and I don't I don't want to give it up. So I'm a divorced person. So the next person that comes in my life, it's clearly going to be stated. Like, yeah. I really have <laughs> this addiction for music. And so can you handle that? Because that means I'm going to want to be a part of certain settings that I feel are, are, are food for my soul. Right, right. Right. And certain things that are not to be missed. Mm. When people come to your town, like an Avery Sunshine or, you know, like when people come through, you need to go see them because it's a part of something that you need or you represent. And it's all about the whole, it's all about the culture. It's all about the music. So I don't, I don't know. I have to tap out on that. I don't know when I'm going to get to a space when enough is enough. Um, but for right now, as long as the limbs are working and I got two dollars, exactly, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go support. <laughs> Is that before or after inflation? 
Cause I don't know what know. I don't know what two thousand yeah, gonna get you yeah, into you can't get nowadays. Nowhere, but yeah, but you are get going doing up. love everywhere you go. Yeah, so well, you I'm, know, I'm working on it. But <laughs> tell me, um, Jamal, a little bit about um the college years. What was it like for you? I mean, you were playing in the marching band, but what was the scene like for you there, um, during college, musically and otherwise? Man, you know, college was college in Atlanta in the early nineties mm-hmm. was extremely magical mm-hmm. because at that point in time, you know, I went to college. I, w- I was at Morehouse between 1992 and 1996. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I started at Morehouse, um, you know, I had just come from being this Atlanta kid and then coming to this place where you had all these guys mm-hmm. from different areas right. from all over the world right. and not just from Morehouse. You had guys that were over at Clark. Mm-hmm. You had women that were over at Spelman. Mm-hmm. Um, you had people over at Morris Brown. Morris Brown. You had people all over the AUC from different places. So what my freshman year was, was kind of like a, it was like me just having my mind blown. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I can think of guys like Brett Crenshaw, who went to Clark, who's a librarian now, who, uh, you know, used to do Red Clay magazine. Mm-hmm. I remember this magazine called Red Clay. Mm-hmm. It was like all these young, kind of earthy, young black folk yeah. who all were primarily from like Brooklyn and, yeah. and that area. But they bought that sensibility down here. Nice. And it was, and, but they were like the, the, you know, they were real organic mm-hmm. back then. Mm-hmm. So we would have these parties at like the Barefoot Ballet, mm. um, which was like a dance studio in the Castleberry Hill yeah, District yeah. where you have to go and take your shoes off and, <laughs> and hear poetry. But then um, um, Brett and Salah not say mm-hmm. we got a big up because Salah's been doing it. He's from Atlanta. Yeah. He's been doing it for just as long back then. But he and Tahir and, Sal- and Salah would play Fela. They mm. would play Donald Byrd. That was the first time we started hearing bands like Rasa and, yeah. and, and, um, and even like stuff from like, uh, the loft and mm. and 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 Paradise Garage. Yes, come on now. You know that that mm-hmm. we had never heard like Lamont Dozier going mm. back to my roots, like yeah. hearing that type of stuff for the first time, like blew me away. Yeah. But then there's also this radio station I'm listening to uh, called WCLK 91.9, and I'm hearing Ken Rye in the morning come and Kim Beatty in the come afternoon, on, come on. and I'm hearing this just stuff from Europe and Japan yes. and Germany and, yes. and house music yes. and, and um. Uh, Lil Lewis and Larry Heard. <laughs> I mean, it was a really yeah. special time mm-hmm. in this city. And then I think one of the major things I did uh, while I was at Morehouse was um, me and a group of my friends. We created an artistic collective. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was my was it my junior. Was it my junior year? Because my junior year, I started working at WCLK. Okay. I started interning in '94. Matter of fact, this is my 25th anniversary. Congratulations at WCLK. I Thank thought you. it was a while. Oh, it's been a minute. <laughs> it's been a minute, and it all started from that passion. But you know, um, back then, I you know remember what my mom taught me. Mm-hmm. And I was also a producer. You know, mm. I started producing when I was 14 nice. and doing my old demos. And my mom actually would like make people like LA read, hear my yeah. stuff. And, and it was, it was really inspiring. But I remember at that time I said, I know all these young creatives. Cause I knew people like Indy Ari. Mm-hmm. I knew bands like Sirius B and Kyrie Cabral with Jiva yes. and all these different people. And I said, we're all young this is pre neo soul mm-hmm. you didn't even have a neo soul that was out that time <laughs> so we all we all decided to come together as a collective and i had that image of the groovement being like 
a soulful version of the Wu-Tang Clan. Mm, nice. Because the Wu-Tang Clan is probably one of the greatest business models in the history of music mm. outside of just hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. And when you think of it, you create this brand, this, yes. this overarching brand yes. uh, that, that, that represents everyone and you can all kind of go yeah. away, yeah. make your own money and come, come back. back to the brand Yeah, because you're always going to be connected to yeah, the brand. Yeah. That's dope. You know? And, and so we wanted to do that. So we had India. Uh, we met this young brother from Kentucky um, who had just moved to Atlanta uh, a few years before that named Donnie. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we had Anthony David. Yeah. Uh, we had Sirius B, and out of Sirius B, you had Kyrie Cabral, who went on to create Jiva. Then you had Dana, who went ahead and started working with Avery Sunshine, mm-hmm. and they ended up getting married. Yeah, yeah. So all of that came out of the groove, man. And you think about all of that energy, and at that time, we didn't think about it. Yeah. And it's really, literally, one of the great untold stories mm-hmm. of '90s Atlanta is the story of the groove, man, which I will be addressing. Uh-huh eventually because we're getting close to our anniversary nice you know nice gonna do like a documentary or yeah, like a, a little mini doc okay just like a little mini doc to, to let people know uh because actually there was a piece and people can go online there was a piece done by this radio show on npr called all things considered yes i love uh, that and you know all things considered yeah. one of the most popular radio yes, shows in america yes it is and they did this thing on local scenes and my friend i had a friend named gwen who worked for npr at the time mm-hmm. and she called me up and said jamal i want them to come to atlanta i want them to come to the atl and do a story on the Atlanta soul scene, but mm-hmm. they're not biting. Yeah. And I said, well, you know what you tell them? Tell those guys that you're going to do a story or you want them to do a story on the children of the civil rights movement. Okay. And once she told them that, they were like, get Joel Rolls down to Atlanta. <laughs> and he came directly to COK, and I took him around, and it ended up being one of the great stories mm. of this whole series on local music scenes all across the country awesome. and you can hear it online just google atlanta soul reborn okay um all things considered nice. and you can hear it it's it's really powerful it's a great show yeah. that's a great that's a great thing that's a great opportunity and see and that's the thing jamal about you that you have had the opportunity where things just like the timing you were right at the right place at the right time knowing the right people and still humble like you are always this humble dude that we see and we can connect and talk with and you've you've seen it and that's why this conversation today is really important to me because of your history and your lineage and how you've come across some things in your life being here the wclk years are really important um when i talk to people like ken shouts out to ken rye with the whole hot ice live um movement my big brother. Yeah, I love you. doing dope things here with live music. And when I talk to him, he's another dude that's pretty humble about it. But when I came from New York in the 90s, 89, right? So it's 30 years. And I came from a metropolis or a city that you had a plethora of different types of music and you come here. There was like a void for me musically mm. initially because there was just one station on the dial primarily. Right. And, um, a good friend of mine, uh, may he rest in peace, um, Mark Griffin told me about WCOK when I mm. met him. And he was like, you got to check out this station, sis, because mm. they're playing everything. Right. You like it all. They're playing it all. You need to check it out. And when I did that, I haven't left the dial since. Real talk. Mm. And so I remember the different personalities that came through there. And and I remember even the gospel scene on Sunday was heavy with Rod- Rodney Eugene Evans in the morning going all the way through um 
Wanderlyn Stokes, oh, see, right? You, you are a CLK head. Oh, so man. I remember, and it just, it just, <laughs> it was just, and then you know, um, the different personalities during during the week, and then even the jazz lunch segments that they did with Nancy Wilson, oh yeah, who touched John Coltrane and the only jazz profiles and the jazz profiles, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it just enlightened me, and so. The station has just been to me a staple because it played what I think you guys felt that people wanted to hear and could appreciate and respect. Right. So it was not only jazz, it was the Neo Soul, it was Soul, it was the Donald Burr, which is my favorite. Mm-hmm. It was those things. It was the Isley Brothers. It was, you know, India Ari. It was CLK was the first station I heard Robert Glasper mm-hmm. and fell in love with. So you guys had continued to do like cutting edge, like playing those underground artists that we typically couldn't hear anywhere else. But you guys got your hands on the vinyl, on the music, playing those tracks, educating us on who they were, where they came from, that kind of thing. And we felt a sense of connection. And then when they come to town, we felt compelled to go see them because we've been supporting their music or hearing them for so long. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think those CLK years, like that whole station, you know, really critical with the whole 90s movement, just how Atlanta was, is today. How we move, and and you've had a significant role in that. Well, you know, I I, I thank you. And one thing about Atlanta radio um, that people forget is that Atlanta radio uh, had a lot of really powerful pieces mm-hmm. on the left side of the dial, right? You know, yes. and, 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 as opposed to you know the commercial <laughs> yes, side, yes. the commercial side. No diss to the commercial side because right. there's some greatness that came out of that true, as well. True. Um, but on the left side of the dial, you had stations like WRAS. We got a big up eighty eight point five, eighty eight point five. Talib Shabazz, yes. Randall Moore, yes. G Wiz, yes, right. With rhythm and vibes yep. on Sundays. That yep. was the quintessential hip hop. That was. Seeing, I remember listening to them when I was in tenth grade. Yeah. And, just hearing all the classics first on that mm-hmm. show. You're right. Um, and a station overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course, you know, 89.3 Three. WRFG, yeah, which is just this brilliant community station mm-hmm. that mirrors what stations in New York and Oakland and yes. San Francisco have been doing for many generations. Yes, yes. Um, but WCOK was really special because, of course, we kind of had our foundational yeah. piece in jazz. Mm-hmm. But we also, at the time, didn't know that we were doing something that will become the future. Mm-hmm. Um, because right now, if you look at radio and I just, um, I, you know, I also do radio in Houston. A lot of people don't mm-hmm. know this, but I do the drive time show in Houston mm-hmm. at KPVU, mm-hmm. my Prairie View A&M station. Yep. yep. 91.3 shots out to Mark Angel, yep. John Hughes and all yep. of them out there. But the thing is we just, uh, and we're still working on this grant right now, mm-hmm. which is centered around what is the model for the future of radio and what they're coming to find out is the model is the concept that we call and they call urban alternative mm-hmm. and the urban alternative is a mix of soul it's yeah. a mix of hip-hop yeah it's dance music yeah. it's house yeah. it's, it's it's world music it's also um classics mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um and and so it's a it's a it's a, a mixed bag and when you look at all of that that's what cok yeah. did before anybody yes. really i mean to listen to kim Beatty and to hear kim Beatty go from roy ayers to to louis vega mm-hmm. um to the brand new heavies yes yes uh yes. To, to to guru yes Chris. you know yes. i mean right there you got yes. a whole bunch of styles man 
that work together. Yeah. And so that's what we were all about yes. at WCLK. And some, you know, people like you got it. Yeah. You know, I and, love and, it. and, 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 and we appreciate folk like you because we would not be here if it weren't for people like you. Of course, giving to us because yeah. we're a public radio station. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But being there and being in our corner and just saying, you know what? Y'all keep doing what you're doing. That is the best thing we, we ever received is to pick up our phone and someone saying, Oh my God, this is changing my life yeah, right now. Yeah. Like I can't hear this anywhere else. Yeah. And then on top of that, he's all African Americans. Yes. Now. Yes. You some, know, some that spoke French because you guys uh, showcase people. That look like us, but their national language or their native tongue was different. But oh, the like, music connected us. Oh yeah, us. like Joe Scoline and you all go. of them. Well, Afro pop worldwide. There you go. Um, but yeah, that that's the beautiful thing about the ATL. Yeah, is and it goes back to the history of Atlanta because one thing that people have to remember about Atlanta is we are the black people that did not sit down. Now, of course, yeah. you had uh, uh, you had a lot of black folk like that all across mm-hmm, this country mm-hmm, who did mm-hmm. not sit down and take it. Mm-hmm. But here in Atlanta, it was in mass. Yeah. It was, I mean, we are uh, uh, the, 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 the prince of the world, you know, Dr. King. That's mm-hmm. our boy. Like, yeah. we understand Dr. King. Right, like, right. You, you can't go anywhere else but Atlanta to truly understand Dr. King, mm-hmm. um, along with everything else that came out of that. So it's always been very progressive. And C.O.K. just tied into that yeah into that black progressiveness because in the 90s you had funk jazz cafe with jason yes, Orm. yes. will g had chocolate soul yes. you had the yin yang cafe you had vagabond yes. productions uh you had the schools mm. you know i remember emory i was just telling somebody emory university uh back then had probably one of the craziest black student unions mm. uh, because they were bringing shows for free mm-hmm. uh and you think about the lineup, you're like, for free? For like, free. I mean, they had Tribe Called Quest and Arrested Development. Mm. I remember going there to the gym and like, oh, brand new heavies is doing a back to school jam for, Man. you know, and it's like, Man. it's like a hundred kids in there yeah. because they all don't get it. Yeah. But you're like, oh, it's the brand new heavies in this gym with a hundred people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, uh, one of the greatest shows I saw was The Roots, Grand Poobah and the Fugees when they were all kind of just starting. And this is for free at Emory University. You know, De La Soul. You know, seeing De La Soul on a Tuesday afternoon with DJ Rob Bass and, and you know. It's, it's, I remember that. Do you remember that? I remember that was that around one. Balloon Monster. Yeah, I remember so, that show. you know, yes. shouts out to Emory. Because when I saw that, and it was actually in Creative Loafing or something mm-hmm. like just kind of like average like and I saw that and I was like, are you serious? We saw it. We were like, for free. For free. Just outside. For free. And it wasn't even like crazy crazy Yeah, out yeah there. it wasn't. You know, yeah. but that's the history of the A that, you know, a lot of people are coming. It's beautiful, Michelle, yeah. that you've been here for so long, yeah. that you've been here for 30 years because you get it, I get it. But you're not the, 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 the person who's only been here five, 10 years. No, who, I see. You know, and, and it's no disrespect to them because, no. you know, everybody's bringing their energy, but you don't understand Atlanta yeah. if you only know what happened in five or 10 years. And, you know, I, I have mixed emotions, Jamal, because being from New York, I feel like I missed out on hip-hop in its heyday in the 90s in new york because i was here mm. you know what i'm saying so i you know so some people will say if you wasn't in new york in the 90s right, right, right. yo you missed out you right. know what i'm saying and i was like well you know i made a life choice and i made a life decision and it you know for me atlanta has always allowed me the opportunity to have a better quality of life just right, for my, right, right. just and i had to make it work and to be a part of what felt like a renaissance period, it felt like we were progressive Atlantans, you know, just young black people degreed 
having an opportunity to do a little better than what we left, at least for me coming out of the project. So I was like, man, this Mm. is really dope. And it, and I was a person that didn't know art. And so I came down here and learned art, like er learned the beauty of art, the spoken word, just the whole thing. So, you know, growing up as a kid, you know, the Motown sound and all that, but then it was like this whole nother layer of soul that I got exposed to through the station and just connecting through different people and just kind of understanding it. So for that, you know, Atlanta, I tip my hat to him because it gave me that. You know? And you know, what's so deep about that though, about your story though, mm-hmm. Michelle, is that when you think about it, you're from the Bronx, mm-hmm. you know, that is the home of hip hop. Hip hop. I mean, yes. the whole world <laughs> has to bow down bow to down. the Bronx bow and, and Sedgwick Ave. You know what I'm saying? Like that's where it all began. Yes. I mean, being from Atlanta, I, I would be, you know, that would be sacrilege if I did not acknowledge thank that. You, thank you. You know Jay, what I'm saying? Thank you. Um, but the thing that people had to remember, because there was always, you know, let's be real. There was that contention between yes. cats from New York and cats yeah, from Atlanta yeah, at, at a particular yeah. time. There was yeah. that, you know, the cats from New York were like, well, y'all country. And then the cats from, <laughs> from, from Atlanta were like, well, go back to your Word city there. You know, it, it, it turned into that. <laughs> it did. And it what did. I will always say is, y'all, it's, it's just a circle of life. Yeah, it is. Because... The thing that you got to remember is that hip hop and all of that started from soul and funk. It did. You know, did. and when you think about, and, and I, I say this to folk and I, I dare anyone to, to challenge me on this because I want to understand this. Mm-hmm. But when you look at states in the union and the state that has probably the biggest impact on popular music culture mm-hmm. is Georgia. Yeah. And the reason why I say this is because the people out of Georgia were the people who created the genres. Mm-hmm. So you have people like um, James Brown yep. who created funk. Yep. Like he created funk. Mm-hmm. Ray Charles from Albany created soul. So. Um, Fletcher Henderson uh, created the concept of the big band, mm-hmm. which was jazz and which what jazz would become. Yeah. Uh, even even like Hamilton Bohannon. Yes. And people forget Bohannon from Noonan who went to Clark created the prototype beat that became the 404 disco mm. hip hop beat yeah. which turned into house techno mm-hmm. that came from a cat from noon in georgia wow yeah you know what i'm saying so this is the beginning of it and the cats from new york actually had the sensibility to say you know what let's do this with it let's yeah. let's take yeah. this with it yeah and speak to our generation mm-hmm. with it. let's take mm-hmm. these bits from it Mm-hmm. And and that was genius. Yeah. You know, we have to give credit what credit is due. So I give credit to the South for what the South did and what it produced, mm-hmm. but I also give credit to what the guys in New York did. Mm-hmm. I was just talking to someone and I said, listen, I am more of a East Coast, East Coast backpacker hip hop dude <laughs> than I am a trap dude. Like the sound, I'd rather hear some old yeah. classic beat miners than trap music. And it's because um that sensibility of understanding where this music came from, because mm-hmm. in the beat miners, you're going to hear the music of Donald Byrd. Mm-hmm. You're going to hear Roy Ayers. Mm-hmm. You're going to hear uh, James Brown, yeah. uh, Marley Marr. You're going to hear all James Brown and all of that stuff yeah. in the music. Yeah. Um, and in turn, we didn't know. Think about that. That's mm-hmm. a deep concept sampling. Mm-hmm. Like people don't yeah. know yeah. that we're these young kids just jamming to this and we're listening to these real musicians playing. playing. Like when I, when I go back to main source, looking at the front door, Ooh. 
And I remember I caught an asthma attack the first time I heard that no, song. you did Because it came on the TV and I danced. So it was one of them songs where you just start doing a running man. You just start. Like, it just starts naturally and you just keep going. Yeah. And I sat down wheezing. But it was because of... That Donald Byrd break. Yeah. You know, for Think Twice. Like, when you heard it, you like, I didn't know at the time. I, yeah. didn't, I heard Ken Rye mm-hmm. play the original on his show when I was a freshman. And I said, this, that's where I need to be. I need to be at that station. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Who influenced you the most musically when you were kind of in the college years and just growing up as a kid? Who was your musical influence? Uh, just as far as artists? Yeah. Oh, man. There's a lot of people. A lot of different people. I, I have to say, though, the biggest influence for me will probably be Quincy Jones. Okay. okay. Quincy Jones is, to me, because I knew, like, I never forget when my mom bought home the dude tape. Mm-hmm. And this is 81. <laughs> so at that time, I was six years old. Wow. And I remember my mom put it in, and the first song I heard was I Know Corita. Yeah, it's my favorite. And I heard I Know Corita, and it was like, this is it. And then my mom hit me as I got older and say, oh, you know, he's the one who did Michael Jackson. Look, yeah. he's on stage with Michael Jackson yeah, at the Grammys. Yeah, yeah. He did his music. And I'm like, okay, okay. Uh-huh. You know, and so he created a sound because I'm a big fan of the early 80s R&B boogie mm-hmm. synthy sound. Like, yeah. Like uh, my guys are Kashif, Quincy Jones, yeah. Leon Silvers III. Yeah. That's my era. Um, that's the first music I knew that I loved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like when I could say, Oh, do you love music? It was the first song I remember like loving was Earth, Wind and Fire Groove. Let's Groove when I was mm-hmm. five years old. Mm-hmm. But the second song was Love Come Down by Evelyn Champagne King. It was like, I remember that song mm-hmm. being like the change and I remember it making me feel so good. And I said, I want to do music like that. Yeah. So it was really those guys. As I'm really, I'm really a soul boy at yeah, heart. Like yeah. I just love classic. R&B and soul. Yeah, But yeah. then I got into the jazz when I got to CLK. See, I didn't know much about jazz. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And CLK, when I got to CLK, actually when I was 10 years old, I remember being in my bedroom and I was going through the the dial. And I remember I, I landed on CLK okay. just one Sunday. Okay. And the first song I heard was A Love Supreme by John Coltrane. Oh, my God. And I didn't know what to call it at that time. I was oh like, what is God. this? And whoever that DJ was, I don't even know who he was. <sighs> but he played that. And then right after Love Supreme, he puts on Bobby Humphrey, Harlem River Drive. Oh, Drop. my God. So it's like these <laughs> different worlds. Yes. And I remember being transfixed to the radio, not knowing what to call this music. Yes. But knowing it was special. Didn't turn back to the station until I went to college. Mm. And when I got to college, I said, I'm going to work there. And I literally... Uh, walked to the radio station. Okay. And said, uh, yeah, I just want to, I actually went to CLK <laughs> wanting to start a hip hop show because at the time I was a deep hip hop man. I was in 1994. I was so embedded in hip hop. It was scary. Wow. Hip hop and house music. Mm. Cause when I was 16, I used to go hear, um, uh, DJ Clark Kent. Mm. You know, I don't know if you remember Clark yes, Kent. Yes, I do. I th- was it Clark Kent like Biggie's DJ? <laughs> yes. So I used to go see him at Plastics. Up mm. in Lindbergh. And uh. it used to be these parties that the, the AUC students used to throw. And me and my friends, we would all go to like the older parties. We wouldn't go to like parties for our age. We would go to the parties that the, the, the college kids were going to. So we went and, and we were like, Clark Kent, everybody's talking about Clark yes. Kent. So I mean, it's just crazy. He's playing this incredible hip hop and he's playing these breaks, but then he starts playing house. And that was the first time I heard house. <laughs> 
in a live setting. Mm. And it was almost like going to church for the first oh time. Oh, my God. Don't get me started. It was like, I, I remember <laughs> hearing it and being like, but to, to when you think about it, like, here's a DJ that's playing hip hop and he goes out. Think about that yeah. now. Like, who does that now? Yeah, no. That was that yeah. was a beautiful Nobody time. I mean, and you, you're talking about a big club full of like a thousand yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and he did not lose anybody. Like they stayed on the floor because house was still very youthful. Mm-hmm. One thing about house music back then, it was almost like punk rock. You know, almost. it was like yeah. it was like young people's music because mm-hmm. it was like this quirky music that old heads couldn't get. Mm-hmm. Um, and and even some of the hip hop heads couldn't get. But if you were young and different, you got house yeah, music. Yeah, you got it. House music to me is like the litmus test for being, you know, unique and. <sighs> And having your own mind. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm it was, it was very, I tell this story um, a few times, but um, when I was in college, um, I would go back home to the Bronx for Christmas break or whatever. And it was when I was in college, I learned how about house music. Because mm. I went to school in DeVry in Jersey. And so I went to Zanzibar. A friend of mine oh, took me Tony to Humphreys. Zanzibar. Yes. And I was like, oh, my God. And mm-hmm. that when it, like, went off for me. So then I come back because I was born and raised in Bronx River. So that's the whole mm, Zulu Nation. Of course. Bam, the whole thing. So I would. Deeply embedded. Have to literally, <laughs> Jamal, like, tip off the block, sneak out, and guys on the corner, because you got watchmen on the corner. Right, right, right. Uh, with the beers and the 40 ounces, and here's for the brothers that are not here and all of that. Course. And they would be like, yo, Michelle, where you going? And I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. And I used to sneak with a duffel bag, change of clothes to go to the Paradise Garage. <sighs> When I was home in New York to do that. that. But my block was so hip hop because they had some words and names for house music that I will not say on the show Mm. (laughs) because it was tied to a certain genre of people. And so they just didn't get it. And I was like, but this stuff got me because that's when C.C. Rogers was out. And it was just, you know, it was just, ooh, and and, and Marshall Jefferson. And it was just, it was that time. It was unfiltered. It was unfiltered. So I was getting that at Zanzibar, but then going to Paradise Garage, it was that quirkiness that you was talking about, different type of dance music. It was so you were um, hearing Larry Levan, Larry Levan, wow. and it was um, wow. it was Talking Heads, letting the days go by. They would just keep running that the whole night, and it was just a different type of sound. And so, yeah, coming from that, it was real, real hard to kind of convince people, but you have to walk your path and do what you do. And now here it is all these years later, I'm still in love with it. Like really, really bad. I wanted to ask you the first day you got to play on WCLK. You remember what song you played? Oh yeah. Oh, without a doubt. What was I played, um, a tune by the sister named Jaleesa, Mm. uh, a song called friendly pressure. Okay. And it was, um, it was, um, on an album called Galactica Rush. And Jaleesa was a sister who was from like Mississippi. Okay. Her sister is, um, she's part of the Anderson clan. Okay. And so her sister is Pamela Anderson who went and sang with Incognito. Okay. Um, on the 100 and Rising album. And her aunt is Vicki Anderson, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the wife of Bobby Bird. So nice. she's got the whole James Brown affiliation. Nice. Uh, but, but, you know, it's crazy how the world works because Jaleesa, you know, lived in Europe at the time. Mm-hmm. She used to sing back up for like Bjork at that time. Wow. Um, and she was Jaleesa out of a lot of sisters. She is one of those unsung 
Sheroes mm. that people do not talk about because mm. that first album, Galactica Rush was crazy, but then she drops an acoustic EP of the album right mm. after that, and then dropped this album called Language Electric right mm. after that. That was just it was almost like Nina Simone in the future. Nice. Um, and it was like Nina Simone electrified. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. But she lives here in Atlanta now. Mm-hmm. And Jaleesa and I have become very good friends. Right. Uh, we're both Libras. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like we have this this real strong connection. And she's making music now for meditation. Mm. So if you Google Jaleesa, J-H-E-L-I-S-A, uh, she makes music now for to, to like, unlock and unblock yeah. the chakras and yeah. do all of that. But, but that was the first song that I played was friendly pressure. And to this day, it's like a, it was almost like a play on words. Cause mm-hmm. when you hear the song, she's talking about like basically not, not trying to coax a guy into mm-hmm. being with her, mm-hmm. but she's like, I'm giving you a little friendly pressure. <laughs> and I felt that as soon as I got on the air, yeah. like, I'm like, Oh my goodness like i'm live on the radio yeah and it was like you're driving the car now mm. you if you if you if you mess up you're gonna mm. hit something and so i i hit some potholes yeah. I, <laughs> I hit the, I, I i i hit that guardrail yeah, every now and then yeah, but i got back yeah, yeah but it was it was at jaleesa that 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 started my path and and the fact that this incredible black woman mm-hmm. um who went to europe to get acceptance yeah because that's the story of black artists yeah. in america yeah too, yeah it is um is really it, it really kind of represented the story that i will continue to tell on the radio mm-hmm. for 25 years after that got you got you yeah. you remember the times you might have pushed the envelope being on clk oh man you asking like the best questions oh my goodness that's you, what they say you, i do <laughs> you are the best good lord i thought i was a good interviewer um oh man oh, you remember man. because you're oh. a hip-hop dude and now you're on this jazz station and there's protocol and it's 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 a little it's a little bit different today than it was back then but you remember the times man, you pushed let me tell it you, you I pushed, pushed it i pushed those barriers so much you and pushed I, it and i have to thank wclk <laughs> i have to thank you wclk <laughs> Uh, shout out to our general manager, uh, Wendy Williams, yes. and, and everybody over there. Thank y'all because y'all gave this young brother an opportunity to flex his skills and to really use his imagination mm. on the radio. At the time that I started working at CLK, I was also getting into like drum and bass. Okay. So I'm playing this really crazy music. I remember, I never forget playing drum and bass and my, the program director at the time, because I had to be, how old was I when I started CLK? I was 19. 19. When I started. So I, I, I remember like, uh, the program director just coming to the door, Jamal. Uh, when you get done, come holler at me. <laughs> and so I go, I go to, I go to his office, and he's like, "Hey, man, I like you a lot. I like you a whole lot. But what was that you were playing? What is that? What are you doing?" And, and I was like, "That's drum and bass. Yeah, it's it's, it's a new style out of Europe." Mm-hmm. And he said, "Man, it's just this worldly crazy music, man. We can't do that." And I said, "I said, listen, man." This is the future. Mm-hmm. I was like, just imagine if Max Roach was a robot. That's what you're hearing. Now you're it now. And, and so he was, he was like, <laughs> yeah. he was like, young man. Yeah. Just because you described it like that, I'm going to leave you alone. Wow. But just watch it. Yeah. And so I would kind of, I learned how to push it just, a little bit. Just push it and pull back, push mm-hmm. it and pull back. And I was playing stuff like, I remember I would bring, I remember a show where I had, um, um, who was that? Cause it, it didn't even deal with just the music. It was also like social commentary mm-hmm. because I never forget the show I had. The last poets, 
um, Amiri Baraka and Fred Hampton Jr. Along with Dead Press. All in the studio. That was the blackest show I ever did in my life. Okay, hands down. And it was also the most controversial show that I ever Mm. did in my life. And I remember like thinking while the interview was going on, this is one of the greatest interviews ever, Mm -hmm. but this also could be that interview that could get me got. Got you reared up. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I said, you know, I'm going to just, this is for our people. Yeah. Um, And and I never forget at the end of the interview, all of them brothers all came to me, especially the brothers in the last poets. They all came to me and they said, young man, we appreciate what you're doing, especially and Amir Baraka too. You 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 know, brother from Jersey, mm-hmm. and Amir Baraka said, "I appreciate what you're doing because you're doing something that's a left of center." Mm. You know, like I hear you. I heard the music you were playing. It's a little different. I don't know what it is, because mm-hmm. um, I was playing like some stuff from Europe, yeah, or, yeah. and I was playing like some some um, some rare groove like Weldon Irving yeah, or something yeah. like that. So they were like, "But we hear what you're doing, mm-hmm. and we appreciate it, and the fact that you're young and you get it, and you asked all the right questions." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that right there was a, a push moment. But I played like some rocky type stuff, mm-hmm. like Kenna, who was down with the Neptunes. I never forget playing him one time, and I remember a program director called and was like, "Dude, <laughs> you're killing me here." And <laughs> I said, "I'm sorry, like it's dope." Mm. And I remember I told Ken, I met Ken, and I said, hey, man, you know, I played your record on the jazz station. Mm. And he was like, they didn't fire you? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, they were. It was close. I said, but I was always a humble kid. Mm-hmm. That's always what helped. I tell people all the time, sometimes your attitude will help you do things. Yeah. Your attitude will help you do things. that. And some people think that you just have to be this fiery person. Right. And I'm like, no, you can have fire in your actions, right? But be humble and cool. Yeah, in the delivery of yeah. it. Yeah, and, and that that navigated me through some treacherous waters mm-hmm. at WCOK. Mm-hmm. I've had some interesting things happen to me because I was young, and people thought I was just a maverick that didn't understand right. what was happening. Right. And now I look back at it, and it was almost like what jazz guys or anybody even like hip-hop guys when mm-hmm. somebody said you can't do that and you're like i'm gonna do it and then you look back 30 years later and they're like oh man we're glad you did that mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i'm glad that i did that because at the time uh ken ryan ken Beatty, they set the stage for what i do mm-hmm. um uh, but i think that i took that baton um and and took it somewhere else mm-hmm. you know took it and i was i was like you said at the right place at the right time mm-hmm. i was right there when the person from universal bought like the Erica Badu on and on tape right right to me and was like you heard this girl and I was like no I was like I mean the original on and on not the one everybody hear the real raw one mm. I played it I put it in a tape deck and played it on the radio <laughs> before anybody played it actually you know what I have to give him his props because he played it before me DJ Doc nice or RFG nice. DJ Doc was the first one to play that but then uh, it was a lot of stuff where I was like that first dude to press play nice yes you know where it was like okay who's this Maxwell I remember seeing Maxwell at Morehouse right before he came out and it, the the crowd laughed at him oh. uh, there was these, these these young women who were laughing at his hair and his yeah. moves um and I remember hearing his album and I remember the people in his band and I said this guy's magic mm-hmm and I went up to him and I said, no, man, you're special, man. Mm. You got it. And he came by the radio station and hung out with me. Nice. And the next thing you know, he turns into the darling. Uh, a year later, yeah, he's yeah. like. Yeah, Everybody loves you him. You know, but that was always a, yes. a, a, a thing for me at COK. And yes. still to this day, you still. know, he's still pressing play Ooh, on a lot of people yeah. first. Yeah, because I bother you a lot, Jim. 
You you in don't, your, but in, you do. In your, <laughs> because I listened to your show on Saturday. Thank and you. I'm like, that was a great show. I go right in the inbox. I go, great show. I listened to the show. So inspiring. And though. it's awesome because I've I feel like I've watched you cultivate how you play music and just your shows over the years, right, right? right? And now it's themed. I like the universal. I like the concept. I like the, right. I like everything. Even the fact that you have a, like a little hook, an opening little mm-hmm. song. The guy Shout from out to who, Jamal Batiste yeah, from, from New Orleans. Orleans mm-hmm. That does your, your, your hook. But I just feel like now it's so, it's so matured and it's so intentional. Like everything that you play has an intent. It has a meaning. You did a, um, there's times where you cut out a, a certain part of your segments to make, to do tributes, especially when Nancy Wilson had passed. Right, right. Um, you know, some critical times. And I always admire you for that, that you take time out to recognize the creatives that went before us or whatever's going on to keep us cognizant as a community musically. And I think on Saturday, you, you've done a great job well, in doing you. that. I listen to, I look forward to it. And I, you know, my story is this, you know, I live, unfortunately, I don't live in the city i live south so i live like in fairburn and so for years sometimes the signal i can't get it in the house i sit in my car oh wow to listen to the show wow there were times that clk brought me through where on saturday night before you got the slide brian hearst had it yes and i would just sit park in a certain spot in like in CP College Park, like watch planes take off and on <laughs> on a Saturday night, and he was another gentleman that followed the lead of how you guys just yeah. really did and handled music. Totally, totally, you know, he was like from here, and then he took me all the way over here, and then he played like some little house, and then he was doing all. He was just, it was a really nice situation, and I was like. I this station so you know you come and you do the same thing and you have a nice signature with it and again i listened to last night's show and i know it was a replay but it was just it was good you know because again you give content you just don't throw music at us you give content and i and i personally appreciate that so thank you well thank you i appreciate you michelle for that because it's something that is not just by happenstance yeah you know, right. everything that we do, I mean, what you're doing right now mm-hmm. uh, is intentional. Mm-hmm. Everything that we do, uh, or at least everything that we should do, right. Uh, right. should be intentional. Right. Right. Um, and, and one thing that I love about the Saturday Night Show mm-hmm. uh, more than any show that I do is the Saturday Night Show is where I get to, of course, spread my wings, mm-hmm. but I also get to, like, kind of educate people a yeah, little bit more. You, mm-hmm. you know, I've done tributes to... Um, like a whole three hours to Prince right mm-hmm. after Prince passed yes, away. Yes, we yes. used to do, um, and I've been doing it every year, a uh, series called Atlanta Bliss. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I named it after Prince's trumpet player that was in his band mm-hmm. called Atlanta Bliss yeah. from the uh, Sound of the Time album. But, you know, what's crazy is we've been able to do this uh, because of people supporting us, mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. people like you not only say, yo, I love y'all, but I'm going to donate this yeah. amount of money to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, 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 and we do all this and we do everything um, off of spirit. Mm. Like if you're DJing and you're not DJing off of spirit right now, mm-hmm. like right now as mm-hmm. we speak, mm-hmm. I don't know what you're doing for the world. Mm. You know, every DJ. And I, I mean, I look at all the big, I was looking at Louis Vega just recently. And I was like, you know, one thing I love about Louis Vega is Louis Vega to me reminds me of Quincy Jones. Mm-hmm. Like he literally reminds me, <laughs> yes, yes. but he also is kind of like that, that humble spiritual 
figure. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Where where he comes from a, a very intentional, soulful place mm-hmm. where he's not about money. Right. You know, even though he don't have to worry about no money, right, right, Louis right. Vega good. Right, right. Uh, I wish I was in Louis Vega's <laughs> shoes right now. But Louis Vega works from that place mm-hmm. of spirit. And Quincy Jones used to always say that whenever you start thinking about hit records, whenever you go into the studio mm-hmm. and start thinking about making hits, that's when God walks out of the room. Mm. And that goes with DJing. When yeah. you start when you start DJing and you just DJ just to to get a check yeah. um, or to do whatever uh, without an, an intent, um, that's when God walks out. Mm. It's not, it's not, that's why I love out of all the, 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 the DJ sets that I hear, be it from hip hop to whatever, um, is house music mm. that to me has the most soul fulfilling DJ sets because I mean, I've literally seen people break down on a yeah. dance floor and start yeah. crying. Yeah. Uh, I've seen people have to embrace their friends because the energy is so strong. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's what music is about. That's what God gave us yeah. music to do that, to make sure that we touch the hearts of people. Yeah. So whenever I step on that radio, um, I always had that at the back of my mind because I've been offered to work at commercial radio stations, um, all across the country, right. um, and here in Atlanta. Um, and I've, Turned him down, mm-hmm. uh, uh, politely turned yeah, him down yeah. because that's not what I want. That's mm-hmm. not, I came into radio to make a difference. Mm. Um, and, and, and you know what? Over time, when you come from that place, God will reward you. Yeah, he does. Um, my show right now is syndicated all across America. Yes, it is. Um, you can hear my show in places like, uh, Native American reservations in South Dakota, or you can go to Berkeley, California, yeah. or you could go to the Mississippi Delta in um, Hollow Springs, Mississippi, and you nice. hear my show. Nice. And what those people are hearing is that energy, that sounds right. of universal love that we've been hearing for so long in Atlanta, and they're hearing it, yeah. and they're going crazy. I, mean, I, have a, I have a quick story. I remember getting an email from this young lady from um, from hey um hayward wisconsin okay and my show was carried on a native american reservation there it's nice. carried actually on two native american stations wow. in, the, in the country and she hit me up and said you know i want to thank you uh for your, what you do because i don't think you understand mm. but you're bringing a lot of different generations together because we have our community center here mm-hmm. and we meet like on saturdays and you know, we're playing cards mm-hmm. and it's a place for the whole community to converge. And you got guys in the corner drinking and mm-hmm. it's just like mm-hmm. sitting on the porch mm-hmm. and they argue over what music they want to play. You right. know, the, the, the OGs want to hear the funk and the soul and the classic rock and the young cats want to hear the hip hop and the pop. And so she said, I'm going to make a decision and listen to something different. And she turned on my show nice. and everyone dealt with that mm-hmm. everyone said we can deal with this okay it literally brought everybody together, together. along with that really deep culture of that native american history mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. spiritual those folk are mm-hmm. you know so that right there was one of the biggest compliments i ever got nice. was to know that a community center on a native american reservation uh was playing my show and that all these people were fans mm-hmm. and she said you know a lot the elders i told them i was going to reach out to you and they all said you know Please let him know that we appreciate what he does. Nice. And 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 I can never I can never um pay for that. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. I even even like in commercial radio, I noticed some guys in commercial radio, they actually want to be that. 
Mm-hmm. But they they know that what they're doing is just for a check. Yeah. And it's no disrespect to those guys, no, you know. No. But, you know, I, I can't. I mean, I remember I used to be on um, when I used to come on um, Friday nights mm-hmm. at CLK mm-hmm. uh, with SOUR. And this is like 01, 02. I did that from like about 95 to about 2005. Yeah. While I was on for Friday nights. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember the number one DJ mm. in Atlanta used mm-hmm. to call me. On Fridays, mm. I remember. I never forget the first time he called, and um, and I I just interviewed Dwelle. Mm. Now, mind you, this is Dwelle before he even came out with his first mm. album. I was playing his demo. Mm. Dwelle was talking to me. He was walking around at an African art festival in Detroit nice. at the time, <laughs> and it was all loud in the background. Never forget that. But he called me. The number one DJ called me and said, "Yo, man, Jay, who is that?" And I was like, "It's Dwelle." Mm. And he's got this project called R I Z E. And I said, if you need a copy, I got you. He was like, nah, I'm going to go on my little site and, and pick it up, but thank you. Mm-hmm. And he would call me every other week. Hey, man, what's that? What's yeah. that? And then you would start hearing it on his show. Yeah. And then when Dwelle came out, he was like, y'all, I'm breaking this new Dwelle. What do y'all feel? And he opened up the phone lines. And literally everybody who called, everybody who called was like, we heard, we love this, but we heard this first on Jamal. Ackerman's I know, show. that's right. And this is on another radio station. Yeah. So much so that he had to say, hey, you know what? Props to Jamal Ahmed for that. Yeah. And that right there is unheard of where another radio station, mm-hmm. the big station, big. is shouting out someone's little, little. bitty station. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But that goes to the power of intention. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because I'm not getting paid to play Dwelle and, like, right. you know, it wasn't right, like right, that. Right, it was right, because right. I was like, yo, Dwelle's dope. Yeah. This is crazy. <laughs> Y'all hear this Word. stuff? Come on, press play. So, so, <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, it was no like, brainer. it's like, we, we don't understand. I don't think you understand. There may be somebody watching that is a, 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 a professional that you just bow down to. Yeah. That's watching right now mm. and saying, you know what? That girl got skills. I call me. They're going to call you. They're going to call you. Call me. Because uh, I do this for the love because I feel that. Um, there are stories that need to be documented, right? I, I have this huge uh, passion and love for house, for music in general. Right. And if we can just capture some of the things that influenced us, hopefully it can catch on. Cause there, there's a gap. You know, I've talked about it with, with different people that I've had here. I talked to Jason Orr about it. I've talked to um, mm. Josh Milan about it. Like, how can we bridge this gap? Because, we don't like trap. We don't like this. We don't, there's certain things we're kind of, we're used to, but there's a gap. There's, we have a responsibility to kind of extend our hand back and kind of pull them along for those that want to come along. Cause mm-hmm. that was also somebody else that said that to me. Everybody don't want to come along for the ride, but there are some people that want to understand why do we love what we love? Where did it come from? Right, right. The mere fact that people don't know hip hop kids today. Don't know who Lauren Hill is. That's a concern because mm. Lauren ain't been around since the beginning of time. Mm. You know what I mean? So there's a gap here. The fact that people feel like they don't have to spit bars. They could just hum or do whatever they need to do. And that people in society are going to buy into it and call it music. There, that, that, that's a little discerning for me a little bit. But you know, I feel like this platform is, is designed to help people get raising awareness. 
and mm. we can talk about the things and why it means so much to us. And hopefully, like I said, extend the hand to those that want to come on board and understand why is soul so important? Why is hip hop so important? Why is house so important? Why is it so important that you need to understand a transition and a blend before you call yourself a DJ? Mm. I mean, there's just certain things that need to be kind of just laid out and people will pick from the table what they want. But I think we do ourselves a disservice if we don't lay out the table, we got to lay right. out the meal and then right. the people will come and eat. That's, that's just the thing. That's no. And, 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 and to add on to what you're saying, Michelle, it's like what you're talking about is, is pure unadulterated culture. Mm-hmm. You're talking about nurturing culture, fostering right. culture. Right. Um, and one thing that we as black folk in particular, you know, and, and this is not excluding anyone, but I'm this is directed to African Americans right now because one thing that we take for granted mm-hmm. is one of our greatest creations, uh, which is music. Yeah. Um, I was just watching a documentary a while ago on the Fist Jubilee Singers. Mm. Uh the Fist Jubilee Singers, for those that don't know, is a group of singers from uh Fist University yeah. in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um and they basically uh, start singing the songs of it was probably about 12, 12 to 13 young people at the time. Mm-hmm. They start singing the songs that their parents sang. And mind you, this is at the time of post-Civil War. Mm-hmm. So their parents were all slaves. Yeah, I think out of the Fifth Jubilee Singers, only two of them had parents who weren't slaves. Okay, So these kids are singing this music and people didn't know what to make of it at first, mm-hmm. but they start singing it all over the country and it just blew everybody's mind. Mm-hmm. Then they went to Europe and they start singing for the Queens of, and, the, and, the, and the, 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 the Dukes in Europe mm-hmm. and it blew everybody's mind. I remember they said, uh, the, um, Duchess in Germany, she started crying because she said it reminded her of her, her lost daughter. And she wow. said she had never heard music like that. Mm-hmm. They are the beginning of black popular music if you look at lauren hill if mm. you look at the wu-tang clan yeah. if you look at whatever it all goes back to the fist jubilee singers mm. everything that we do as black artists yeah. yeah goes back to those group of people mm-hmm. and what they did was they told our story and black music has always been that black music has always been the story of 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 black people the pain the yeah. love yeah. The passion yes Everything that entails. But one thing that we have been told is it's just music. Right. We, we're just told it's just music. But you look at it, you're like, take away black music in the whole world. Mm. Like literally take it away. <laughs> and you tell me what type of world we would live in. It would be crazy. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even. It would almost be like a twilight. Like if yeah. if, if, if we did an experiment and said, yeah. take all of that black music. I yeah. mean everything. I mean because it's in rock, it's yeah. in it's in pop, it's in everything. Blues, everything. Like literally, all you're gonna hear is like folk music from the countries that you in. That's it. You know what I'm saying? Be bland. Yeah, just there. Mm. And, and you know, some of their stuff is good, mm-hmm. but it ain't like that. It ain't like that. So if you took that away, it would it it would really change things. And we're in the midst of Black History Month. Yeah. You know, and That's so we have to. Yeah. <laughs> so we got to tell our people, especially our children, mm-hmm. that you created. You know, you created some really powerful um, legacies, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and you got guys in Europe and, and guys in Japan and people all over in Brazil and people in the Caribbean who look up to what we did. Yes. Here yes. as black Americans. Mm-hmm. And it ain't about a, a region. It's about us all. Yes. So it was the North, the South, the West, mm-hmm. the Midwest. Mm-hmm. All of us added to this. 
And we have to remember that. We have to remember that we stand on the shoulders of these people. Yep. So it's bigger than just trying to get a check. Yeah. And you're going to get your props over time. Mm-hmm. Like, I think what you're doing right now is so vital. And I, I tell folk all the time, if you don't do it for free, mm-hmm. if you can't do it for free, don't do it at all. Don't do it at all. Just leave it alone. Yeah. And that's that's crazy to tell somebody in capitalistic I know. America. I mean, we 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 in the midst of the Super Bowl right now. I know. It's so much money floating around here, <laughs> and you got and you got and and I'm a, I'm gonna tell you. You know, people say, but she did this at the whatever. But I get props to Cardi B. Yeah. Because Cardi B was the one that said, no, I'm not gonna do the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Now this isn't like I'm not mad at anyone watching the Super Bowl. Right. But I I, I support her because she's losing a lot of money, mm-hmm. but she's also gaining a lot of respect. Yeah, you go. And she's gonna get more money. You look at what just happened with with Brother Fabian. Yeah. And how they just destroyed that that mural yeah. of 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 uh, Kaepernick and, mm-hmm. and Ali. Yeah. But then what happens right after it? Mm-hmm. I mean, it goes it goes national. Then it goes international. The next thing you know, he gets an offer to do seven murals. There you go. See, that's how God works. That's how He works. And He did that on the love. Yeah. But now He's getting love all over the city, yeah. and that's why I tell people you gotta do it for the love mm-hmm. first. If you can't do it for free, don't do don't, it at don't all. Don't do it at all. And if you and you think I sound crazy. I'm sorry. There, there's so many examples mm-hmm. through time that mm-hmm. show that if you can't do it for free, all great artists. When you look at all great artists and people who were into culture, they did everything. Like when you look at what they made, like I was looking at what all the major like composers, like Brahms and Beethoven, mm-hmm. they were like poor people. Yeah, they were like getting paid like what people working at fast food get paid mm-hmm. nowadays. Mm-hmm. But they were writing some of the greatest music yeah. of all time yeah. that will stand the test of time. Yeah, because it was in their heart. Heart. Beethoven wasn't about the money. He was like, I got to eat. I got to live. Yeah. Just make sure I got a place to stay. But I'm going to write some of the most beautiful music you ever going to hear in your life. Yes. That's powerful. Right? That is very powerful. So <laughs> thank you for that. Because, I, yeah. you know, I need to hold on to that sometimes at night. Because it is. You do things for the love. Right. But love doesn't pay certain bills and things like that. But you... But you picture yourself not doing it, then you feel there's a hole in your spirit. So you're going to keep doing it. So you right, know right. what happens is the universe blesses me with people like yourself, people that <laughs> have legacy work in Atlanta area that I can extend this opportunity that we can talk and break bread. And so for that, I'm I'm extremely thankful and humble for that. Now you have a platform that is absolutely beautiful. Um, I will be encouraging all my friends and everybody to check you. <laughs> and we're going to be, I, I, here's the thing. That's, this is what you need to hear. Mm-hmm. I'm going to help find you some sponsors. Yeah! That's what you need to hear, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what we all yeah. want to hear. If somebody came to me on the radio and told me, hey, I'm going to find you some sponsors. Yeah. I'm like, you my best friend. Um- Yes, yes. <laughs> so that's what we gonna it. do. That's Thank what we gonna you. do. Even Thank if I could just lead somebody your way or just point you in the direction of somebody. You, I appreciate you, Jamal. I appreciate you. I'm gonna do something. You. Thank you. If, if they just give you fifty dollars, I'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> I'm gonna get you started. I appreciate you, Jay. Thank you so much. I want to talk about your new love, uh, Dangerfield newbies. Oh man. Let's talk about that. Great music coming out. I saw you guys open up for Torch Soul couple of years ago at center stage. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you guys were just like. We were just. That was, you know, that was literally our second show. It was a hot show. Oh, but that man. That show was fire. You know how like you keep, you know, you know, you know, when you're working out. Yeah. And you like, you, you, that second day you start Ooh. seeing them results. You're like, no, wait, wait, wait till like six months. That was good. We just kept working out yeah. and working out. And we have a really, really strong show. But yeah, the newbies, you know, what's deep about being here. 
at, at, in this building uh-huh. um is um i guess i don't want to give away your location uh-huh. but i have to say this you can. like what's spiritual about this place is the address yeah because it's it's, it's 777 yes it's a triple seven yeah. and i never forget the day that i actually had the vision of the danger for newbies really uh was on um july 7th 2007 mm. so it was the day of the triple seven yeah. i remember getting up and seeing this thing where prince was talking about yeah yeah the triple sevens and whatnot so i remember like being home that day and at that time i wasn't even working for clk i uh-huh. kind of left clk for a little while mm-hmm. so i was at home and i you know had had you know paid all my bills mm-hmm. but you know how you like you pay all your bills mm-hmm. but you ain't got nothing else left mm-hmm. over i was at that point mm-hmm. back then yeah so i was at the house and i said well, i'm just gonna watch tv and i'm a big fan of documentaries mm-hmm. and i turned on pbs and they were playing the kim burns documentary mm-hmm. and so i put that on and they're talking about the john brown incident which is pretty much a really important story to tell right. you know for for black people um and for the country as well but in that story, they talked about a gentleman who was part of the John Brown party. He was the first person in his party to die. His name was Dangerfield Newby. Mm. And I remember hearing that name and turning the TV off. As soon as I heard it, I said, whoa, that name just hit me. Yeah. It was like, what was that yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got you. And so I did my research and I found out this guy had a really incredible story that mm. he's this real person that was an ex-slave mm-hmm. who bought his freedom and he was married. And had seven children. Mm. And he worked as a blacksmith. And he worked and worked and worked and worked to to free his children out of and his wife out of bondage. Mm-hmm. So he raised enough money to get all his children, seven kids, nah. and his wife. He raised enough money to get them all out. He goes back to the to the uh, to the plantation owner and says, "I got the money." And God said, "Well, since it took you this long, I'm gonna tack this on because you you need to give me this too." Wow. So he was like, "Dang, I don't have that." So he walks away fuming and boom, runs right into John Brown. John Brown's like, yo, man, I'm about to free all of y'all. <laughs> like, come just join my party. I'm like, we, it's about to get real in the yeah, field. Yeah. And so he, jo- he joins the John Brown party and the, the, you know, he gets killed. But before he joins the John Brown party, he and his wife are exchanging these love letters. Mm-hmm. And they're the most beautiful love letters you'll ever read mm-hmm. in your life. Mm-hmm. But they're also like very urgent. Because she's like, baby, help me. You got to, this dude is acting crazy. He mm-hmm. know you're doing this to get us out. Mm-hmm. So he's wilding out right now. So please help us. <laughs> and, um, and unfortunately he dies. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I saw that story of Dangerfield Newby and his wife, Harriet Newby. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's it. That's, that's, we'll be the Dangerfield Newbies. Mm. You know, when I changed the name around. And because I'm a big, like, I'm big into, like, Civil War stuff yeah, and old stuff. Yeah. My mom was into that. She got me into it. My mom was, like, in the Gone with the Wind documentary okay, and stuff. Okay. So, she, you know, she, it rubbed off of me. But I remember, like, just doing that whole thing and saying, okay, we're going to do the album. Um, we're the Dangerful Newbies, and the album's going to be called Harriet. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really going to be about him and his wife. Yeah. And when you listen to our first album, mm-hmm. you know, shouts out to uh, Mark Angel and mm-hmm. DJ. Uh, but when you listen to our first album, it literally is like a soundtrack yeah. to their whole story yeah. from them landing on the shores of America to them falling in love with always with me. Uh, that song always with me, which ended up being on being Mary Jane, mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah. all around the yeah. world and stuff um, to the end. You know, I got to live my life with Julie Dexter. Mm. And that's the final one of the fight. That's the final song. You know, I got to live my life. 
Um, and, and that's what we were trying to do is tell the story of these two people and how love at the end of the day, yeah, love, love, true love yes. is the most revolutionary act that uh, anyone could commit, man. you know, because his love for his wife and his children, more so than his love for his people, yeah, drove him to put his life at risk mm-hmm. and to fight for his people because mm. he literally was just fighting for eight people. Yeah. John Brown was fighting for millions. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for newbie too. So started that concept. We put out the first album. And it just just took off. Yeah, man. I mean, it was we got we got signed with uh, Sweet Soul Records out of Japan, who just put out Avery Sunshine's record. Mm-hmm. So they put us out in Japan and built up a really strong Japanese nice. base. Um, and then I remember uh, calling Kai out. Come on. And I said, the "Yo, prime Kai, minister. that's the prime minister. The prime minister." <laughs> Now, 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 Atlanta, when you talk about the history of House in Atlanta, yes. he's got his own thick chapter. Yep. Just like Ron Pullman and Deacon yep. Kimmett and all of them, yep. even Brock and all them cats from yep. back in the day. But the thing is, Kai, what I love about Kai is he's one of us. Like, yeah. And he, as soon as you mention something to Kai, he gets it, he gets it and he's already on it. On it. So he was like, Let's, I, he was like, send me the record. And I wanted him to do Shine. There's yeah. a house song on an album called Shine. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want you to remix Shine. And he's like, yeah, Shine's cool. But I want to do this song, What Am I Here For? What am I here and I was for? like, okay. My favorite. Do that. Do that. And he sent me the stems. I sent him the stems. He sent me the remix back in like a month. Like yes. he got it done so fast. Yes. And I was so... It's like that moment when you hear, like, cause me being a DJ yeah. and knowing hot records. Yeah, that's hot. <laughs> when I first heard it and I, like, I had it like on my phone and I was, I almost cried cause I was like, this is classic. And it also had a lot to do with the brother who wrote the song, Jay Pacola Faust, mm-hmm. who lives in Houston now because he's a former ATLian from Decatur. Um, but he was like this guy, like I remember Jay Pacola is a singer songwriter, but he used to be at the house events. Mm-hmm. So. He would like when he did Shine and his wife actually was the one who sang Shine. And he told his wife, Mashonda, like, baby, this is what we're going to do. Because she had sang with Usher and mm-hmm. Christina Aguilera. So she mm-hmm. didn't really know mm-hmm. the whole house thing. So he painted. He's like, nah, baby, it's a dark room. You got baby powder on the floor. <laughs> you know, people sweating. A lot of people got their shirts off. Yes. You know what I'm saying? They spinning. People are, are, are worshiping the speakers. It's a spiritual thing. <laughs> <laughs> I remember dude used to be worshiping Ooh, speakers, bowing to speakers. Thing. You know, and, and he, he, he broke it down to her. And she delivered that vibe. Yeah. And but he knew that vibe. That's why when you hear "What Am I Here For," mm-hmm. you're hearing it from a guy that knows house oh, music, the songwriter. Song. It's him. Like I was like, boy, you like D train on steroids. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? But that tune eventually got us like a licensing deal with Defected Record, yes. which is like the, one of the biggest dance labels yes, in the world. And is. I mean, we got love from like people like Danny Crivet, mm-hmm. and, uh, Jelly Bean Benitez, yeah. who did all the Madonna stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's a, it, it turned into a global phenomenon uh, for us. When that song, when Kai drops that song at Distinctive, when he plays it, when it, we just lose our mind. When they played it, when he plays it at House in the Park, it's just like. And can I tell beautiful. you, when I first saw that at House in the Park, <laughs> I, it was like one of those moments that you can't describe because I was like, here's a song that we did in this little bitty 
bedroom studio yeah. on a busted laptop, um, <laughs> a cheap little keyboard, and the cheapest little microphone you can find. Mm. You know, pretty much the bare minimum production. Mm. But I tell people all the time, it's about the soul you put in that the stuff. Soul, you know, and 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 it turned into literally one of our biggest songs. Mm. So much so that it 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 uh, introduced us to like other people who wanted to collaborate with us. Right. Like we just did a big record with this kid um out of um out of Amsterdam, Kid mm-hmm. Sublime. Mm-hmm. Um um on his album The Padded Room. It's nice. a whole house record. Nice. Um and we did a song called Heroes. Nice. Uh featuring Dangerfield Newbies and it's got Jay Pocola singing. And I mean it's got that same yeah. like when people hear it, he said he said, Yo man, this is like the hit on the record. And I'm like, that's that vibe that we want to create. And so now we have a new record that's out now, um, which is a jazz record yeah. called The Culture Dawn. Yeah. And that came out of of me seeing that, you know what? You got to follow the spirit. And doing uh, jazz, jazz is the first dance, soulful house, mm-hmm. whatever. It, was, it came out of jazz. Okay. And I remember hearing, it was crazy because I remember hearing last year, um, I'm sorry, the year before last, in 2017, I remember hearing Oprah's uh, acceptance speech at the Gold, Golden Globe Awards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she said something about young girls, and she was talking about uh, it's a new dawn, it's a new day. And at that point, I've been thinking about this whole concept. And when she said that, it was like we clicked. And I said, oh, this is about making sure that my daughter, that my daughter gets to understand that our legacy is huge yes, yes and that's why i put her on the album cover she's like beautiful thank you Jenna. so much she's gorgeous oh and she there. and she's a natural oh you know she is a, a pure because she her mother shots out yeah, to her mother wendy, wendy yes. who uh who, who uh who took those pictures um and, and i and i said i said no i want this to be um all about legacy and i yes. want her to when she gets to a certain age go back and see herself in this regal African, beautiful, you know, beautiful. peaceful, yes, you know, position and, mm-hmm. and always remember that, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I did all of that for her. Yeah. And I also did the album for my mother because yes. at the time we did the album, shouts out to all the guys who, I mean, so many people to, to, to acknowledge, yes, but yes. John Bill and Kyrie and Landon and Nikayo mm-hmm. and, and all of them, all the, all the singers and musicians who came in, you know, we did this record in two months. Mm. It was fast. It was like super fast. And I didn't know at the time why I was doing it. Mm-hmm. I remember God just kept telling me, you got to get Good this thing. Time. It was a sense of urgency. I didn't yeah. know why. And I let my mom hear it. My mom was just like, oh, Jamal, this is, she, she joked and said, who do you think you are? You Quincy Jones or somebody? Yeah. You ain't Quincy Jones. <laughs> and, 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 and unfortunately my mother would pass away yeah. um, a month later after mm. I released the record. Mm. Uh, so I was very thankful. Yeah. Um, that I, I followed that. Yeah. Cause you, everybody hears God talking to mm-hmm. him, but only a few of us actually follow Come what God now. is saying. Come on now. Come on. You know, so I, I, I said, I want to make sure that I, I do my best, mm-hmm. uh, to, to honor all those who came before me because yeah. also all of the newbies albums have come out on my mom's old record label. Oh. Like my mom, she let the label go for about, she let it go for about seven years. Mm-hmm. And then um, she just said, I'm just going to go back to education, do okay. this education thing. And it just sat dormant. And I literally went to the Secretary of State's office and and, and revitalized yeah, it. Yeah. And every every album has come out on my mom's old record nice. label. So I'm keeping a legacy going. You are. You know, you in are. more ways than I even know sometimes. Oh. But I think the most important piece about that record is my daughter being on that cover. Nice. Beautiful. You know? And those songs, too. I think the songs that we, we did on the album, because we did stuff like, 
I mean, Ralph Tresvent sensitivity with Taj from the boys with a, with a New Orleans second line band, you know what I'm saying? Or, or like Maliko Ney singing an old Horace Silver song. Nice. And Horace Silver's album, United States of Mind, was all about creating music to literally heal people. He was playing chords because people forget that about Horace Silver. He created chords to heal your body. Mm -hmm. And so when Malik's singing that song, she's singing a song that is intentionally made yeah. to heal you. Yeah. And that was the intention of that whole record was yeah. to help people. Yeah. You know, and when people hear it, I mean, we've, I remember Questlove heard the single and was like, I sent it to Fontaine, Questlove heard it. He stopped playing in his sets, mm. you know, the sensitivity. And then we got picked up by all these jazz stations all over the world. Nice. Big, nice. big DJ start supporting it. Yeah. And then we're representing the A. The A. We representing the A Town a. Down, y'all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we representing Atlanta. You know, and showing people like, yo, this city has got more to offer than yeah. just trap music and the real housewives. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> and no disrespect to the housewives. None, none, I love them. None. But but it's more to Atlanta. There's a consciousness here, though. Oh, still. that that is sorely overlooked yeah. when you talk about this There's city. a consciousness still here, you know, despite all of the movie-isms and things. And, just, <laughs> you know, it's just getting so crazy and tight. And even with the Super Bowl being here today... People are going to catch a whiff and you're going to feel another swelling because people are going to want to move and be here. Oh. But there's still a consciousness. We full, y'all. We full. There's still a consciousness. We full. Please. Go on home. Just go back home. <laughs> They're okay. going to come and say, um, is there a book in you? Do you feel like you're an author? Are you going to write or give us a book like me memoirs or something? Or you'll give it to us via documentaries? You know, I definitely... I have been asked that a few times. Mm -hmm. If if I'll be writing something, I have. I'm I'm a I'm a book nerd. I love reading. Read. And I love I love what books relay, and you can't get that in a lot of in a lot of mediums. So I do want to write a book. I don't know what type of book. Okay. Though. You know, okay. it's all about what style you want to write. Yeah, yeah. So I've been thinking about that. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm working on a documentary with yeah. Jason Orr. Yeah. Uh, called Stepping Into Tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And what we're doing is we're literally. It's kind of like a, a a story that's centered around what we love, mm -hmm. uh, which is the music that we like is a music that literally is all about fusions. Mm -hmm. And so what we're telling in this documentary is we're, we're talking about a particular era of music, which is jazz post-1960. Mm -hmm. So we're dealing with the jazz funk and the fusion, the Donald Burst or Herbie Hancock yes. or A.S. George Duke. Yes. You know, all of that stuff. Yes. Uh, Bobby Humphrey, Patrice Russian. Yes. Um, but then we're also moving into how that whole thing inspired everything that came after it. Mm -hmm. And people don't think of that. You know, people don't think that George Duke and Herbie Hancock were the first, like, they were the first, like, synthesizer guys. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Out of any genre, yeah. it was the jazz guys who were playing Play synthesizers, synthesizers first. Rocket. You know, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, when it came to hip-hop, you know, all that hip-hop stuff, you know, the first hip-hop, like, big hip-hop record, uh, Rapper's Delight. Yes. Uh, really sampled Bernard Edwards yep. and, 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 um, Nile Rogers and Sheik, mm -hmm. who were jazz funk guys. Yeah. Uh, house music. You know, we interviewed Louis, little Lewis for the documentary mm -hmm. and Lewis just broke down how important that jazz funk was yes. to house music. Yes. And he was talking about how Ron Hardy was playing that type of stuff mm -hmm. in, in Chicago and just, just blowing people's minds. Um, and, and then also, the, uh, we had jazz, we got Jazzy Jeff in the film. Mm -hmm. Jazzy Jeff talks about how important hip hop is. Yeah. I mean, how important this music is to hip hop mm -hmm. and how important, 
Uh, if we didn't have this music, we probably wouldn't have hip hop mm -hmm, music. Mm -hmm. He talks about going back and forth playing like Grover Washington Jr.'s Hydra. And then we even talk about like how DC, you know, you look at DC and the whole Go Go thing. Yes. People forget that Go Go came out of Mr. Magic. You know, and it was, and it took, it took, um, Marcus Miller in our film to break it down. The guy who produced yeah, the butt, yeah. you know, for EU. Yeah. And Marcus Miller was like, you know, when, um, when, 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 when Chuck Brown yeah. was jamming back in the day in DC, they were doing Mr. Magic. That was like the jam back mm -hmm. then. And people didn't want it to stop. And so he would do all these breakdowns, percussive breakdowns, mm -hmm. and it literally evolved into go go. Yeah. And you think about Mr. Magic, the Kate, then, that's go go. Yeah, it is. It but this is stuff that people don't know. It is. It so is. what we're doing is we're telling the story of how this music inspired everything after. But we're also telling how important the concept of fusion is, mm -hmm. because the concept of fusion literally is the concept of of human evolution. Mm -hmm. You know, you go uh, to to Africa where everything started and you look at the migration of human beings, how we migrated from Africa to India and then we migrated from India to China and then we migrated from India to Europe and then we went from 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 Africa to the uh the the the, the Polynesian islands. Mm -hmm. You know, that is that is fusion. Yes. This 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 person moving from Africa fusing with this person that's in this region yeah. creating a whole new thing. You know, that's what life is all about, about yeah. bringing different things together. Mm -hmm. And that's the future of music. You yeah. listen to house music. House music is the biggest uh, 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 experiment in fusion. Like, if you listen to, like, uh, what Louis Vega does sometimes, I'm like, you're hearing Fela, you're hearing Miles Davis, mm -hmm. you're hearing Quincy Jones, you're hearing Tito Puente, mm -hmm. you're hearing all of these people in one song. Mm -hmm. In one, one song. song. You know, that is powerful. It is. And so we have to, we have to really be, uh, 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 mindful of the fusion concept because the fusion concept really is the future. And that's one of the mantras we, we, we use for stepping in tomorrow. Mm. The future is fusion. The future is fusion. Very interesting. Yeah. That's going to be a very interesting, uh, documentary and conversation. I had the opportunity to talk to Lil Lewis. So I know, you know, his passion and his early years and the influence he had from his mom and his dad, which, kind of curated who he became, especially in the house music situation. Just you two alone, you and Jason alone are very interesting people because Jason has a very high respect for you. Um, yeah, and I look at Jason. I mean, Jason's like my big brother. Yeah, you know, I look guys, up to Jason or like the Oracle. Yeah. When okay. he did, I mean, the concept of Funk Jazz Cafe yes. is one of the greatest beautiful concepts in, in, yes. in music history. Yes. yes. You know, and I tell Jason that all the time, like, brother, that, you know, Funk Jazz Cafe was is not mm, was mm. but is because he's celebrating his 25th yes year. he so, is you know big up to you jason yes. uh but the funk jazz cafe was something that we had never seen mm -hmm. never that, that that music no I'm, I'm not talking about just black music right. and, and soul just and funk music and music had never seen anything yep. like this yeah uh, it was like a it was like a love bazaar mm -hmm. <laughs> like it was. That's the best and of course you got to do the yeah. prince reference yeah, with yeah, jason yeah, yeah. you like that jason <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's a he's a brilliant brother. And I'm learning so much cuz Jason is working in the world of film much yes. more than I am. Yes. You know, he's done he's he's he just did the Maynard, Maynard he was a producer story. on yes. the Maynard documentary. He did his own documentary mm -hmm. for for a diary of a decade for the mm -hmm. Funk Jazz Cafe. Yes. He's working on some more documentaries. Mm -hmm. And this one right here, I'm learning so much. I'm I I tell Jason all the time, I am your pupil. 
I am sitting at your feet. Now we're working on this together. The concept was kind of mine, but Jason took it and turned it into a story. Right, right. You know, right. he took it and made it into a real thing. Nice. And for that, I I am am forever indebted nice. to to my, to that brother. You know, love him, love him for life. Now, what else is on the horizon for you? We got the documentary brewing. We got the new album. Anything else you got coming out? Um, we're working on. Um. Shoot, I'm just trying to be the best daddy I can be. Well, right yes, now. to the of most course. beautiful da- daughter in the world. Yeah, but you know, I guess I'm. Um, we got more music coming. Yes. Um, of course, the film and and you're and what, spending this month. Yes, I'm. Thank you. You're spending thank you. this month. Thank you. Thank I you, am, Prime Minister I Kai Alsay. Yes, Kai Alsay. <laughs> Me and Kai Alsay for the past maybe three or four years. Yes. Uh, we have been doing. The Black History that is correct uh, edition of uh, distinctive, of, of distinctive. Mm-hmm. and so we are we are keeping up with tradition, and we'll be doing it Friday, February the twenty second, mm-hmm. over at the Sound mm-hmm. Table, nice uh, on Edgewood, um, and it's always a fun time because mm-hmm. I, I never really get to DJ house and mm-hmm. and um, and and I, I I DJ a little bit, but not as much as I used to. Yeah. So it's always a good thing to just DJ and play all this stuff because I have so much music that I mm-hmm. just play on the radio. Mm-hmm. And I don't and 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 I'm thinking I'm starting to think about maybe a monthly type of situation yeah. where I can at least go out and play this because there's also a void in what I play. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like there's that hole of no one really playing. The soulful, jazzy, mm-hmm. whatever styles. Yeah. Be it house, be it rare groove, mm-hmm. uh, be it whatever, where you can go and hear some Fela mixed with some Donald Byrd, mm-hmm. uh, mixed with some, you know, Josh Milan. Yeah. You know, like, and, and, along with like some jazz and over. And yeah. <laughs> some other stuff that you just ain't going to hear on the, you on the dance not. floor. You just know, not. so, you know, that, that is definitely happening. Um, I know, I mean, so much plan. It's a yes. lot of plans for this year. That's a good thing. But, but definitely music, um, the film and, um, also I'm, I'm a bit doing more. I'm, I'm going to start doing more things for children mm. and in education. Nice. You know, I want to, I want to find a way because I, I'm actually, uh, groomed as a teacher, you know, mm. I went, I went to, to school to, to, to be a teacher, nice. you know, child development, nice. um, K through five. Nice. And when I went and did my student teacher for the first time, I said, I'm a DJ a little bit more. <laughs> I don't know if I'm cut for this every day, every day. Mm, a lot of kids, but every day. <laughs> so I said, I'm a DJ some more and I'm gonna keep that going. <laughs> but I want to I want to do uh, something where we bring music and what music yes. really is about to young people. Bridge that gap. You yes. know, we got to bridge it, you know. Yes. And so it's on us as Gen Xers to create initiatives to help young yes. people because young people uh, need us more than ever. And they're looking to us. Let me know how I can help. Mm, I, I most certainly will. I most certainly I will. Help. I think it'll be something. And I want to keep in tradition with what my mother did because yes. my mother – uh, was very important when it came to like uh, making sure that young young children who didn't have a, a opportunity have an opportunity. She mm-hmm. ran a program called Trio Programs, mm-hmm. which was dedic- uh, dedicated to helping young kids go through college mm-hmm. who came from poverty, who mm-hmm. came through all type of uh, of crazy circumstances. So my mother would write these incredible grants, and she worked really hard for like forty years mm-hmm. um, uh, at, at schools like Emory and Mercer and Clark, and she ended up uh, her last. 30 years were at Morehouse College. Mm. You know, she was at Morehouse from about 89 to this year. Mm-hmm. Um, well, last year. 
And and so I want to keep that tradition nice. of of the education, but I want to keep it going with what I do. Right. And what I do is culture. Like my mother, you know, she she didn't appreciate at one point in time, she didn't appreciate the decision of me wanting to go into art full time because she had been burnt by it. Mm. And so as a caring mother, she was like, baby, this mm-mm. Just go to that school, get your degree, go yeah. do whatever. And I was like, mama, I'm made for this stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was one of those things where it was like, I'm made for this. And we had this interesting, it was always respectful and loving. Yeah. But yeah. you know how it is when you want to and you, you see it and they don't see it. Yeah, yeah. I had to stay on the path. And my mother, uh, I mean, it had to be like maybe five, seven years ago. And my mom was like, Jamal, I'm so proud of you because mm-hmm. you stuck to it. Even when I tried to deter yeah. you. Like yeah. you stuck with this. Yeah. And I mean, like the president of Morehouse is calling me like, yo, is that your son on the radio? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, and that made me proud to know that I could make my mother proud in front of other people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Nice. That's It's like, it's like being a, a mannerable kid yeah, at yeah, church. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or in my case, the mosque, yeah. I grew up as a Muslim. Yeah. So just being that mannerable kid and people like saying, that's a good it's kid a good right kid. there. You know, yeah. you know, as a, as a parent, yeah. you understand that. I you know, get, you, yeah, our children it. make us proud when they act right. They sure do. They sure do. <laughs> so, they sure do. So my daughter, you know, uh, when she acts right, I'm like, baby girl, what you want to do? Chuck E. Cheese? You want to <laughs> you go Six Flags? I got you, boo. I got you. And my mom was the same way. <laughs> Jamal, how can people find you on social media? Where are you? Where are you at? Where can people find you, follow you, see what you're up to, what you're doing? Uh, um, Yeah, I'm on everything okay. pretty much. So uh, Jamal Ahmed, J-A-M-A-L. A H M A D. Uh, my name literally is the jazz pianist backwards. Mm-hmm. Ahmad Jamal. Um, spelled the exact same way. So I'm on Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter. Um, that's a, you know what? That's it. That's it for that's me. It. That's it. That's it for you. That's I, I, I don't, I don't, that's I don't fine. want to do no Snapchat. No, no, no. You don't Tinder. have to. You don't have to. You don't have to. <laughs> and so your show on Saturdays. Yes. Where and what time? Uh, 91.9 WCOK. I'm on Saturdays from 6 to 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. Eastern Standard mm-hmm. Time. I'm also on every day, yeah. uh, Monday through Friday from 2 to 7 p.m. That is correct. Um, that's my day job. That's you know what I'm saying? Job. I work hard on doing that. Um, and I love it, you know, but Saturday, that's when you let your hair down. That, a bit. The, oh, man. Yeah. I, I let that mullet loose, girl. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I get to spread those wings. And, yes. And, and, and really show people what, what, what's happening now, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and really highlighting these incredible artists who wouldn't have anybody else supporting them. I know. It's so sad when I think about some of the artists that I support. One of the things I pray for is that more people jump on supporting them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and people do. I'm not the only one supporting mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. but I just wish more because I'm like, you know, you got these people who are being supported in the corporate realm, mm-hmm. um, and being underwritten with uh, millions of dollars. Yes. And here's an artist who's just as talented, if not more talented than an artist. Right. And they can't even get, you know, a hundred dollars. They, they, and then, they, oh, they, oh, their friends to pay ten dollars yeah, to come see them. You know, yeah. everybody want to get the the hook up. The, yeah, yeah, put my name on the list. <laughs> you know, I'm like, support your friends, support y'all. Support them. your friends. Come okay? on and stop. Cut it out. Yeah, it's yeah, just just come on, y'all. Like, I mean, I'm I'm seeing people shell out all this money to go see Beyonce and mm-hmm. all these big names, but you can't pay five ten dollars to see your come friends. On, come on, your friends. Come on, y'all. And and that's not really your friend. Yes, yes. <laughs> but you know, I also want to say, uh, Michelle, that we are going to be doing a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. The, this this year will be a lot of performances for the Danger for Newbies. Nice. So yes. we're going to be doing a lot of shows. Uh-huh. Uh, you'll, you'll see us all around. 
the city. So please just stay in contact on my Absolutely. social media because I'll make sure I'll be promoting them there. Because we want to see you guys and we want to definitely come out and support. The one good thing about Internet is that um, now I don't have to sit in my car anymore to hear the show because I can listen to exactly. it the TuneIn app. I was just like, don't do that no yeah, more. Like, no, no, it's, no, it's a no, new no. Day. It's the, the TuneIn <laughs> app. So for those people that are not here based in Atlanta and want to hear your show around the world because I have people listening all over the parts of the country Thank and you. even in far as Toronto, Canada, those people wow. that want to check you out, Thank you. just pull up WCLK is the app through TuneIn app, right? Yes, TuneIn Radio. And we also have a WCLK app. There you go. Uh, that you can download and 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 get awesome. all the jazz news and um, because we still play a lot of great jazz. Yes, at you do. Okay, and there's a lot of great shows. Big up, um, my brother. He's uh, on a little while. Um, Jay Edwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, after you go off, yeah. Maybe they can turn to Jay Edwards. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, Listen and, to him and check too. him out. Who plays some incredible jazz? Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 a lot of great shows. So yeah, we have Morris in the morning. Morris, Morris, <laughs> Reva Blue, Deb Moore. Yeah. Um, those are all my people. Paula Gwen Grant. Uh, that's, that's my family, yeah. you know, and it's crazy because it's a small group of us. Mm-hmm. At one point in time, I, I remember CLK had like maybe 17 DJs on the air, mm. you know, and because of budget. Yeah. You know, it's, it's now about, it's literally about, uh, six, seven of us. So, it, you know, we are, we are still standing strong. Yeah. And, and, and we're soldiers for this music and there we're, and go. we're here for the people because we make a lot of sacrifices. And, and that's one thing that I want to acknowledge about what you do mm. and about this, this network as well. Mm-hmm. I got a big up status network and also, um, and also, uh, the wonderful, uh, live TV, mm-hmm. uh, who put L Y V E TV. <laughs> Y'all can find them on Facebook, but, but you know, this is, this is all about helping people. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys have created a platform and what y'all are doing is really important for the people, mm-hmm. you know, and what you're doing is just, it's, it's just so important. And just this interview has been so cathartic for oh. me. You, you know, I, I want to thank you so much for having me because this is a rare opportunity for me to oh. talk. I'm always doing what you're doing. And you know what? This has actually helped me become a better interviewer because I'm like, okay, how do I like get more out of people? And you, you I'm, I'm going to give you some credit. You're going to get some credit in the book. Thank you. I'll take you it. will. I'll take it. Well, I, you know, I really appreciate you coming, Jamal. And one thing is, um, we, I don't want to waste people's time. I want people to feel welcomed here. And again, it's an opportunity because you give all the time. You give six days a week, right? You've been doing it for 25 years and it gives you a moment to just uh, allow us to see life how you've seen it. Right. And so right. for that, we say thank you. I thank you for coming today. I feel like we got even closer. <laughs> yes, we did. We totally did. And can we shout out the, the crew that's yeah. working in the back? Yeah. Uh, Yannette and everybody. Michael, hi. Thanks. Yeah. My engineer. Thank y'all. For today. Thank they have some you. great people. Got the sound and it's so professional together. here. Yes, very, I love try, it. We try to be very professional here. We're very professional here. Uh, live for professional. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Jamal, thank you so much for thank coming. You, thank, thank you. Thank you, Michelle. This was awesome. That's my time, but you know me, Real Chicks Rock, we are everywhere. I want to thank everybody for liking, sharing, commenting. Like I said, we're everywhere. We are on Facebook Live. Yeah, we're going to repurpose this. It'll be on the Real Chicks Rock YouTube channel. We're on iTunes. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Spotify. We're on Roku channel. We're really pushing this thing out everywhere. So we want to thank you. Leave comments because that helps us raise the vibration with ratings and things like that. We want... 
people to know about this programming. And if you like it, be sure to share it, DM it, slide it in on people's DMs. Share, 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 share. That's how we get the vibration up. So thank you so much, guys. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being here. That's my time. That's a star. Look at over there. Just a girl from the Bronx. We hope you enjoyed listening to RCR Presents Real Discussions. Until next time, you take care and continue to rock on.